Well, welcome, everyone. I invite you to join me in a time of prayer. Father, we are so grateful to gather this morning as your dearly loved children. And uh, we want to make sure that we take time to honor you and to give you the glory to your name. Whether or not we've done so on a daily basis this week or whether we've neglected to, we want to make sure that your name is lifted high above all names. And we give you worship and praise as our creator and our savior and our sustainer. So Father, through our word and our thoughts and our song and our our worship this morning, may you be praised. Father, we also want to take the opportunity as we think about you and your holiness and your grace and your mercy and your love that we fail in comparison to that. So Father, we confess to you now the times this week that, that we have had thoughts or actions or words that were not as you would have had us do. So we confess those things to you and ask your forgiveness and trust the truth of your word that is We confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us for that sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we also want to give you thanks today for the times that you have been there for us this week, the times that we've noticed and the times that maybe we haven't, or maybe the times that we took credit when all along it was you. And Father, as we think about all the, the wonderful things that we enjoy, our friendship with those around us, the security of our homes and the lives that we are privileged to lead in our country, that uh, we don't take that for granted. But without your grace, we would have none of that. For we have not deserved it, but we're grateful for it. And Father, we also want to lift up just our country and our world as we continue to deal with the medical and pandemic issues that, that are still raising their head. And Father, we pray for the leadership of our country We pray for those around our country that are suffering. Think of the people in Florida and and around that are dealing with natural disasters and building collapses and just struggles of weather and beyond. Father, may they all be comforted in knowing that they are not alone in their suffering, but you suffer with them. Father, we want to lift up those in our immediate congregation that are in need of your special measure of healing and grace, both physically and mentally and spiritually. And Father, we ask that any time that we see those needs around us, you would give us the courage and the strength to be your hands and your feet to those that are in need and to pass along your compassion and your healing touch. Father, we ask all these things in the powerful name of Jesus, and we want to close with the prayer that he's taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning and to see everyone smiling faces and maskless faces and everything else. Um, I want to begin this morning with maybe a little bit of uh, just contemplation. I'm going to have a couple questions for you, and I'm going to give us an awkward little five or ten second silence in between these questions. And I hope that you'll take a second and kind of go 
to a place of self-examination and personal introspection as we deal with these. When's the last time you did something desperate? Audible responses are welcomed, too. (laughs) When's the last time you were desperate and you acted on it? When's the last time you did something brave or courageous? We've all been living through troubled, troubled times and is taken courage sometimes, but when's the last time you did something brave or courageous? When's the last time you truly acted on faith? Not evidence. When's the last time you were sure of what you hoped for and certain of what you cannot see? Really relying on your faith in God and not what you can see or touch. We've all got a faith and doubt meter, right? Where are you on the faith versus doubt? Where are you these days? Are you hovering somewhere in the middle? Do you bounce around a lot? Struggling to try to get more towards the faith, but man, those doubts pop up. Last question. How many of you wished I hadn't asked those questions? <laughs> I hope as we dive into our passage this morning and in, in the Word, that you'll be encouraged to be a little bit more desperate, to be a little bit more brave and courageous. And a little more trusting in Jesus, if you're willing to do so. We're in the middle of a, not in the middle, kind of in the beginning of a sermon series on interactions with Jesus, just in Scripture. Last week, Steve talked to us about the wedding at Cana and the first miracle that Jesus performed of turning water into wine. Today, we're looking at Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45, where Jesus has an interaction with a man who is desperate who shows amazing courage and shows amazing faith. So I'd like to share that passage with you this morning. So Luke chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't go tell this to anyone, but instead go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter the town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So the context of our passage is pretty early on in Jesus' public ministry. He, uh, he has called his disciples, and they're with him, and they're traveling from town to town. And Jesus' purpose is to show that he is there, that he is the Son of God, 
And he's here to change everything by preaching the gospel, the good news, that things are about to change. So people are, along the way, he's also healing the sick. He's casting out demons already. So words getting out about this Jesus guy, that not only is he making these outrageous claims about himself, but he seems to have the ability to back them up. So as you can imagine, whether it was from curiosity or wanting to be healed or just the buzz around town, crowds are starting to follow him wherever he goes as he's going to synagogues to teach and as he's gathering people just to spread the word. People that are sick or infirmed are starting to realize that, hey, this might be a chance for me to make things different. And I think that's exactly what's going on in the man with leprosy that we hear, or we see about right here. Now, I just read that passage, and if, if we weren't careful, it's five verses. And two of them have to do with really what happened, and the other ones are kind of what happens after. But it would be so easy to just like fly at 5,000 feet over this thing and go, hmm, okay, leper, healed, okay. But I think we got to look very more specifically at the details of what happened, both in this man's life, in this man's actions, and in Jesus' response to him. First of all, just the idea that this man had leprosy. I don't want to get too graphic and and into everything, but I think it's important for us to realize what leprosy was and is still today in certain parts of the world. But it was an incurable disease. It was horribly debilitating, horribly painful. To put it in just real terms, leprosy was your body decaying and dying from the outside in. And as things died, they fell off, were no longer usable. So open sores and pain, incredible physical pain. But not only the physical pain, there was emotional and social things that went along with it too. Because the religion at the time believed that leprosy was caused by sin. It was God's punishment to someone who had sinned, which was not uncommon because he didn't have any explanation for it. So there must be, you must have done something bad to deserve this or whatever. So because of the fact, if you have leprosy back then, not only were you not allowed to be within 100 feet of anyone other than somebody else who had leprosy, because a lot of times they would go form their own little colonies living and supporting each other. But if you came within 100 feet of anybody else that you didn't know, you had to yell, unclean! Basically letting everybody else know what kind of a person I am and I've become. So that physical pain, the emotional distance, a lot of times you had to leave your family. They couldn't even come bring you food and support you because not only was it a super contagious disease, so people had this fear and this stigma of you with leprosy, but there was also the religious laws that you were unclean. So people couldn't be in your presence or they would not only be physically in danger, but they could be ceremoniously declared unclean because they'd come too close to you. So talk about a lonely, painful, desperate life if you had leprosy. And then he hears about this Jesus. So Jesus is outside of a town. 
He's got his disciples with him. No doubt there was a crowd kind of forming and following with him. And we look at the first couple of verses of our passage again. A man with leprosy came to him and he begged him on his knees. First of all, he's showing incredible desperation and just whatever. I'm, forget the rules. I got to go to Jesus. He breaks the 100-yard thing or the 100-feet thing. He just comes up to him, and you imagine the people that are with Jesus? Because it's physically obvious this guy has leprosy. Probably wrapped up, may have open sores, just horrible looking. And they're like, <gasps> Jesus doesn't gasp at all. They're all going, oh my gosh, he's breaking the rules. He's contagious. This is going to be terrible. But the man approaches Jesus anyway. And he says, he approached Jesus and he came to him and he fell to his knees and he begged him. Can you imagine how painful it must have been for him to get on his knees with the ailments and the physical problems that he had? But he was so determined to be healed that he begged Jesus on his knees. And he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He didn't lead with, hey, I don't know if you're the real deal. I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm just as my last shot. You know, I don't know if you can heal me. No, he came with incredible faith in the power of Jesus' ability to heal. In fact, he had more belief and assurance in the power of Jesus than he did in the mercy of Jesus. Because he knew he could heal him, but he didn't know if he wanted to or he was going to be willing to do it. Or if he was going to go anywhere near this guy. The desperation that he must have had to do that. To deal with the pain, the sighs and looks from everyone around him, the gaffes, the breaking of the religious rules. So, Steve and I were talking earlier this morning, but, you know, when you, when you preach sermons, sometimes weeks in advance, you're just praying for illustrations to help you, you know, bring a laugh or illustrate the story or alliterate something. So I in no way am going to compare my week this week to someone who has leprosy. But oddly enough, there were some comparisons. Last Wednesday night, about 10.15 or 10.30, I was getting ready to go to bed. So turned off the TV, and I got down on my knees to pet my dog, Jax, before we went to bed. So let me back up last November, I had total knee replacement on my right knee. So I bend down, and as I pet my dog and go to get up, I completely dislocate my knee. And it no longer is like this, it's like this. And my knee is locked at a 45-degree angle, and I can't do anything. And it hurts. I yell upstairs, my wife and my kid helped me get upstairs and into bed. And it wasn't until Thursday afternoon at 3 o'clock that I could finally get in to see my orthopedic surgeon to deal with this. So I'm stuck like this all Wednesday night, all Thursday morning and Thursday afternoon. And luckily, I still had the walker from after the surgery. So my, hang, my leg is just hanging there. And I was in pain. I can't tell you how desperate I was for him to put it back in place at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday. And by the way, as soon as he did his deal and it went back in place, immediately all the pain was gone. Like I said, not leprosy, but it was painful, I was desperate, and the relief was immediate. 
So we look at the leprosy, we look at the man, the courage and the desperation that he's got, the faith that he has going. But all this is going to hinge on Jesus' response, right? And I don't know how you can start to personalize some of this, but this guy was fully aware of his physical condition, the way he looked. He probably had a stench with him and everything else. But he said, I'm going, I'm going in. I know you can heal me if you're willing. And then there's that pause. But scripture says, Jesus, filled with compassion, reached out his hand and touched the man. And immediately he was clean. So Jesus has, he's breaking the norm everywhere he goes, right? He's, things are going to be different. With me, things are going to be different. It's not about the rules and the religious stuff. It's about me and you and me and our relationship and the life that I've come to give and the forgiveness of sins and salvation and everything else. He said all this and then he just continues to back it up with his actions. He has healed many people before today. Some of them he's had physical interaction with. Some of them he was just in the area and said, go be clean take up your mat, walk, all these different things. He didn't need to touch this guy, but he did. And you know what that communicated to him? First of all, let's back up to that initial pause. If you're willing, I know you can heal me. Are you willing? What did Jesus' face look like as he looked at that man with leprosy? There could be so many responses that we, in our humanness, would, we, we would, don't come near me. Don't bother me. I'm on a mission, right? You're looking pretty nasty, dude. I, can we just, like, keep the distance? No. When do you think the last time that man with leprosy had ever had human touch? As he contracted the disease, in the other Gospels, it makes it sound like he's had this disease for a long, long time, so he's probably in the later stages of it. Can you imagine what it meant for the look of Jesus towards him to be full of compassion? Why are you bothering me? Or, I don't know. But just purely, I am willing. And not only am I willing, but I'm going to reach out and I'm going to touch you. And that's going to do several things. It's going to show you that you are okay. And I want to be with you no matter what you look like, what has happened to you, what you've done. I'm with you. It's been about 20-some years ago, but I was a youth pastor in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And it was a pretty large church, and we had a lot of students involved. And, you know, when you have a lot of people, inevitably you're going to have struggles in people's lives and there was a 15-year-old junior in our youth group. His name was Robbie. And he contracted an inoperable brain tumor. It was just a tragic, slow and painful um, situation for him. You know, we rallied around him as a youth group and as a church and with his family and tried to support him. And, but as time went on, you know, people have great intentions early on. And then if a disease lasts for a while and you become a little bit more infirmed. And so basically he was in hospice care at a place in town and literally for about the last three or four weeks of his life I just had an appointment with him and I would go see Robbie at 3.15 in the afternoon and every day he was just a little worse 
and a little worse and a little worse. And I didn't have words of pearls of wisdom form or anything. I would just go and I would sit with them and I would let them know what's going on and what we did last weekend and what we're going to do as a youth group tomorrow and just, just people stuff. And then I tried not to stay more than about 10 or 15 minutes because I knew it was getting weak, but I just, it was my habit. I would just reach over and I grabbed his shoulder and I would pray with him before I left. And I had the privilege of being there when he passed, but three days before he passed, as I was praying for him and I was leaving, he grabbed my arm and he said, you don't understand what it meant that every time you came to see me, you touched me. Because a lot of other people came to see me and even my parents, but no one would touch me because they were afraid they were going to hurt me or bother me or they didn't know what to do. So I just want to thank you for touching me when you prayed for me. The power of that touch Can you imagine what that meant to the leper? How about us? What's your leprosy? And do we have the desperation and the courage and the faith to approach Jesus and ask to be healed and to be made whole? And if we do, What's Jesus' response to us? Picture that face. That tanned, weathered, compassionate face. Looking back at you going, come here. I'm willing. I am willing. Not only to be with you, but to touch you in your ugliness and sinfulness and discomfort. And I want to heal you. I want to make you whole. And I want to make you clean. You know, a couple of months ago in a sermon, Steve had this statement that we are far more sinful and uglier than we are ever willing to acknowledge or admit. But we are so much more loved than we'll ever be able to accept. That's the gospel. And that's what happened with Jesus, full of compassion reaches out, and he touches the man, and he heals the man. Not just outwardly and physically, but spiritually and according to religious custom and everything else, he was clean. And it happened immediately. So I have a couple more questions for you. Do you ever believe more in the power of God than you believe in his mercy or his love for you? Not sure. You know he can do it, but you're not sure if he's willing. Or you're not sure if maybe you crossed the line one too many times. Do you believe that his response is always going to be compassion, mercy, and grace, and healing, and forgiveness? And how do you imagine Jesus' face when you approach him and you ask? What is your leprosy? My dad has been gone almost 20 years now. And I was with him as he went through his journey with cancer and went from finding out that it was bad and within six months he was gone. But I remember going to 
Bethesda Naval Hospital because he lived in Virginia and he was a veteran. And so he was in the hospital getting some tests done. And my dad was an army colonel, tough as nails. I never saw that man cry. Never saw him show a whole lot of emotion except for something that made me say, yes, sir. <laughs> but I was with him and I had just stumbled across this passage in some of the youth workers. And so I'm with him and he's had these procedures and he's ticked off and he's angry. And we're sitting in this treatment room, just he and I. And I said, Dad, do you mind if I bring up a passage of scripture to you? And he was a very devout Christian. I need that right now. Just read from memory this passage. And he just lost it. He broke down, sobbing like a baby. I don't know what his leprosy was. It wasn't the cancer, because that was incurable, and it ended up taking his life. But at that moment, Jesus reached out his hand and touched my dad and cured him of something. I think it was just fear and anger. But the idea that he is willing always change us, if we're willing to believe, not just that he has the power to heal, but that he desires to heal us as well. So from here, the passage gets a little weird, in my opinion, because Jesus asks this guy who's just had his life transformed, who just wants to start dancing the jig and looking at every part of his body and going, yeah! And Jesus says, settle down, don't tell anybody. Don't even go show anybody. Because Jesus was basically saying, I don't want to start a sideshow. I don't want people to come to me just because they want to get physically healed or because they want to find out what the latest and greatest miracles going on. I'm here on a mission to tell people it's going to be different. And it has to do with me and not the religious boundaries that you've been dealing with before. So he says, don't go anywhere. Don't tell anybody. But instead, go find a priest. And I want you to fulfill the laws of Moses on being unclean. So I got to take a second and just read to you from the book of Leviticus, chapter 14, what the Mosaic law, if you were unclean, basically with leprosy or any other skin-affected disease. The Lord said to Moses, these are the regulations for any diseased person at the time of their ceremonial cleansing when they are brought to the priest. The priest shall order two live clean birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop, and brought before the person to be cleansed. The priest shall order that one of the birds be killed over fresh water in a clay pot, and he shall take the live bird and dip it together with the cedar and the wood and the scarlet and the hyssop. It goes on for a long time with this seemingly ridiculous regiment of things you're supposed to do, even though it's not going to physically clean you, but just ceremonially is going to clean you. It even gets into where they sacrifice a lamb and they actually had to take a little bit of blood and put it on an earlobe and a big toe and a thumb. All these ridiculous things. And as we learn in a lot of the Old Testament rigors, even with giving sacrifices because we know we've sinned against God, it said it was never going to actually cleanse us and forgive us. It was going to be to appease God and to clear our conscience. So if you had a skin disease or leprosy, the best you could hope for was going through all these rigmarole 
and hoping that somehow something might be different or maybe people would look at you differently. That's why Jesus sent this guy to go talk to the priest. Because everything the priest was supposed to do was going to do nothing. But one touch from the hand of a willing, compassionate Jesus changed everything and made him clean. Good news today is that every time we come to Jesus, his response is the same thing. His response is, I love you. I'm willing. Be clean. Amen.